You're going to come watch the cricket? Mm -mm. <laughs> okay. I'll be quiet. It is... What time is it? 2.34. Better turn off my second alarm. It is the morning of the T20 World Cup final. And I need to find some pants. Sometimes in the world of podcasting, you take risks. And this is one of those times. Last week, New Zealand makes the T20 World Cup final, their third final in three years. It's unbelievable. It's unexpected. It's wonderful. It's on a Monday morning. So my boss, Alexia, and I, we put our heads together and we make a decision. Win or lose, we are going to do a podcast about the T20 World Cup final. Perhaps in tempting fate, we will channel our cosmic energies and somehow contribute to a famous Black Caps victory. This did not happen. Maxwell looks to finish it, and he might have done it as well. Five times 50 over men's World Cup champions, a team that can never, ever be written off. And they've finally got their hands on a men's T20 World Cup trophy, and it is richly deserved. Improved with every game have Australia. They are now a champion team. But hey. Aotearoa's cricket team has made the final in all three formats of the world's second most popular spectator sport just over the past three years. So, I'm Emil Donovan, by the way, and this is the detail. And today we're reliving the final almost in real time with a select and generous clutch of contributors. And also taking the chance to reflect on the past six years of what now must indisputably be considered New Zealand's finest ever cricket side. Hello, mate. Oh, what are we doing? News Hub Sports reporter Ollie Ritchie. Oh, I'm so pumped. I don't care that we lost the toss. I do, think do, this is a good thing. Do you know? <laughs> you warned me. You warned me before, <laughs> before you agreed to do this, that regardless of what happens, you are still going to maintain that New Zealand's going to win and that everything is good. Absolutely, and everything remains good. Paint me a picture. What is your surroundings at the moment? What are you wearing? Who are you with? What did you have for breakfast? Um, well, I'm currently sitting on my couch. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I've got my long-sleeve black caps top on. Um, it's actually one guppy gave to me. Oh, um, nice name drop there. Yeah, and I'm just watching them walk out to bat at the moment. Who's walking out? Uh, I'm watching it too, but who's walking out there? That's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, your man. Martin Guthrie and Daryl Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sensing big things from both of those guys. Look, not ideal that we didn't win the toss in a batting first, but I don't think that matters. Um, I think this team's ready to flip the script uh, and go hard with the bat first and eventually post a really competitive total. Oliver, there are plenty of people, even people who casually like cricket, who might viably say, with some merit, you know, what are you doing? It's three o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning. Um, what, is your, what is your retort to those people? Um, my retort to those people is that I've spent a lot of time watching the Black Caps and loving the Black Caps, and the Black Caps are never getting to the stage uh, of World Cups, be it T20 World Cups or one-day World Cups. Uh, and now we get there. Uh, I don't care what day it is or what type it is of watching. 
Hey, Emil, how are you going? I am going great. Morning report, Deputy Editor Delise Garland. <laughs> what just happened? Are you watching the cricket right now? Can you explain I what am. just happened? We just, hit a, we just hit a boundary. Well, Martin Guptill just want to hit our first boundary. Short hit, nailed. First boundary of the final. I'm very excited. We need to get off to a great start having lost the toss. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, Denise, um, what's going to happen today? What's your pick? What's your prediction? I think we're going to have to go real hard. I mean, I, I hate, I, I, I'm, I'm quite an optimistic person, but I think having lost the toss, it's such an important thing at this ground or even just in this tournament. Mm. Um, or, or we're, we're really going to have to go out, put on a big score. And I mean, I, we're, we're the best fielding team. We've got to, we've just got to keep that up. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'll, I'll, I'll never say that it's ours or theirs until the last ball of the match is bowled, really. Here's freelance cricket writer and broadcaster Adam Collins. It'd be very difficult to resent the success of this New Zealand team. I think any cricket fan would have an understanding that New Zealand have consistently made the final four of global tournaments, but they had a bit of a, a mental block at going to the next step. And they, they got beyond that in 2015 in the World Cup they co-hosted with Australia before having a bit of a capitulation on the day that mattered most at the MCG. That happens, that's cricket. But... Um, that experience informed uh, a rise in the 50-over format of the game for New Zealand over an extended period of time. I think it also informs their progression on the test stage. And it's a natural extension of that for mine, uh, that T20 would be caught up in that slipstream. Tim Southey made an interesting observation uh, in the lead-up to the final, which is that when he spoke to Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad about the potential of him becoming a Red Bull-only bowler a couple of years ago, remembering that Saudi didn't play much of a role in the 2019 World Cup. He was the 12th man for the final, for example. And when that was raised with him, his attitude in response was, well, the thing is, we don't have quite as many people to pick from in New Zealand as you do in England. So the idea of Tim Saudi stepping back from white ball cricket altogether would be a damaging thing for New Zealand cricket. Uh, it's not as, uh, and this is this is said with with all the love in the world. Uh, it, it truly is a case of doing more with less. That isn't. I, I appreciate to an extent that's a cliche, but it's also true. I mean, the fundamentals are that the New Zealand cricket team do more with less, and I think that that does create a culture where people are. Um, you know, people are in such admiration of what they've been able to achieve. Uh, I think for a time it, it did verge on patronisation as well. I think people did um, have a sense that, that you know the plucky uh, New Zealand, uh, you know these, uh, you know these uh, these gutsy little battlers from New Zealand, the small population, and all the rest of it. it it's evolved from there. It's matured from there. Uh, and when New Zealand come to major tournaments now, uh, they are considered to be at the top table immediately. Uh, rather than an afterthought. Hello, Neil. Newsroom Trade and Foreign Affairs Correspondent Sam Suchdeva. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. What's the score, Sam? It is nine for none, unless my uh, stream is somehow behind. It's not. It's not. It is indeed nine for none. Oh, good. It's relief. How are you feeling? How's it going? Uh, I'm all right. I did not get as much sleep as I would have liked. I did not really get any sleep, so uh, things could get dire pretty fast on the old sleep deprivation front, uh-huh. but um, solid start. Not a great toss to lose, obviously, given how the, the toss has gone through the tournament. Um, but yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place for now. Okay, good place. All right. that's good. I'm glad to hear that. 
Can you feel it, Sam? Can you feel the energy, the cosmic energy of me and you and the thousands of other New Zealand cricket fans? Can you feel it coursing through your body at the moment? You know, when you say that, I mean, I can. It's, it's, it's either that or it's me uh, losing sensation in my fingers. So yeah. okay. it's there. There's something there. No, oh, just a change of line. Oh, big from Williamson. Monsters. <laughs> stepped across his stumps. And an in-swinging almost Yorker, he has flicked that over the squarely boundary for six runs. Wow, that is something else. Canterbury magician and freelance sports writer Christy Havel. I love Kane Williamson. (laughs) (laughs) And always have and always will. I mean, everything about him is just so great. Like it was just equal parts innovation, classic T20 innovation, but also the other half of it was just brilliant traditional stroke play. So all the pyjama cricket haters out there can just acknowledge that. It would be great. <laughs> Look, I think Aussie can chase anything. You know, we saw that they chased 176, I think it was, in the semi final. So they know that anything is within their reach. So it's really on us to bowl well. But, God, that knock from... Kane and Nisham and Seifert trying to do their bit here could really, if we can get up over 170 by a wee way, that would go a long way towards helping us, I think. Here is freelance sports writer and broadcaster Adam Collins. Unlike all of the other interviews in this podcast, I spoke to him before the match. As someone who writes about cricket for a living and observes the game for a living, what do you have any insights into what led, led to this? Brendan McCullum, in, in, to give you two words, the influence that, that Baz has had over that dressing room when he was playing and after is profound. Mm. Uh, the way they made a decision under his leadership to play cricket a certain way, playing to one's strengths, he realised very quickly that his dressing room wasn't the type to go out there and try and bully and sledge their way to success. We've seen what can happen when dressing rooms who are not disposed to that kind of behaviour try and do it anyway. I'm thinking of the Australians uh, of, of the Steve Smith captaincy generation when I, I, not many of them were disposed to carrying on the way they did. They felt they needed to because that was the way that Australian cricketers played. Now, with New Zealand cricket, Brendan McCullum took over as captain at a relatively low point in 2012, I think it was, and, and he was... Uh, quite clear that they weren't going to um, to play on, on, on other teams' terms. They were going to play on their own terms. Uh, they were going to play in a, in a considerate, mindful, competitive way, but he was going to provide that dressing room with the chance to be their best selves in keeping with their existing personalities. And I don't think that can be underestimated. The fact that they have been able to not have to live up to some unrealistic expectation, sure, that's part of it, they haven't had that culture of sustained success, so that means that they have been able to at least initially fly under the radar a little bit. But now that's no longer the case. Now they are um, one of the big dogs. They are at the top table. No one underrates them. No one underestimates them, more to the point. Uh, but yet they're still playing that same, uh, that, that same smiley cricket. And some people might see that as, as, as denigrating them as, as, as a group of players and, and saying they're not hard enough. I'm not saying that at all. My point is that um, they have evaluated that the way they play the game, that, that the more positive disposition towards it, uh, it flies in the face of a lot of rubbish you see around the world. 
and yet who's coming out on top at the moment? It's New Zealand. So uh, I think what they've been able to cultivate under Brendan and subsequently Kane, who again is right in that slipstream, uh, I think has been really special. And off the field as well, Gary Stead and others have been able to uh, nurture uh, the personalities they have in that dressing room. Uh, and having interviewed a number of these New Zealand players over the years, it, it, it isn't confected. I mean, the fact that they're a nice bunch of blokes, they're used to their advantage. Whereas I think with other countries, a nice bunch of blokes might be seen as a, as a, as a bit of a handbrake. Mm. It might be seen as a, a limitation. Whereas New Zealand have turned that into a positive. And it continues to be something that really defines this team as a group of human beings as much as it does a group of cricketers. And New Zealand finished at 172 for four in this T20 World Cup 2021 final. Hello, Matt. You pretty much called that, you know. 172. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I was saying before, I would have been a little, I would have been more comfortable if we had 180, but 172 is very, very defendable. Host of the Offspin, Alex Bray. Am I on right now? Oh, we're recording all right. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, yeah, feeling okay about it so far. It's probably false hope, you know, probably. But, um, yeah, at the moment, I I don't know, maybe. Just what, maybe. What, why are we so pessimistic? Well, experience. I mean, we've had Australia in one of these finals before. But, I mean, the difference there is is that that game was over by about you know, basically the first couple of overs. Mm. Uh, and this one, you know, Australia has some very good deep batters. Uh, Maxwell, uh, if he gets going, will probably be able to bring it home, but you never know. Hey, Emil. Which of the Black Caps do you think would be the best morning report editor? Ooh, I have to go with the captain, Kane Williamson. You've I, got to make some tough decisions but I just, in that chair. I, I just asked Sam Suchdeva who the best prime minister would be, and he said Kane Williamson as well. Why won't someone say Jimmy Neesham? Jimmy Neesham. <laughs> I was saying to Corin Dan the other day, I have a love-hate relationship with Jimmy Neesham. <laughs> uh, he can do some amazing stuff, but my gosh, he can sometimes go for many, many, many runs off and over when we need him to be quite economical, so. (laughs) If the Black Caps do lose this, and I am not saying that they will, but if they do lose it, how will you reflect on the past four or five years of New Zealand cricket? I mean, of course I will be disappointed in terms of this result, but my gosh, how far have we come? under, um, I guess, first um, Brendan McCullum's captaincy and now Kane Williamson, just bringing together um, on paper possibly not necessarily the best um, batsmen and bowlers, but just coming together as a team and working together as a unit rather than having those star players, um, which we have had in the past, and, you know, our Stephen Fleming's, our Nathan Astles, Sir Richard Hadley's and things like that. It makes me really proud as a cricket fan that we have gotten to this point and it makes me really excited for what the future holds. I mean, we've got young kids coming up now watching this and um, you and I, when we grew up, we, we didn't really see this kind of um, this prowess from our cricket team. And, I mean, we'd still love it, but, I mean, just imagine how exciting it would have been if we had have had these these sorts of players and these sorts of results to, to watch when we were kids growing up. Mm. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And one other thing that I will say about this Black Cap side is mercifully they have not followed the All Blacks mullet trend. Instead, they seem to be sporting um, quite impressive moustaches and facial hair, which um, yeah, I much it's the prefer. facial hair team, isn't it? <laughs> yes. um, yeah, no, I think it's, uh, it's, it's possibly slightly more classy um, for the cricket field. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Now, it may not be like immediately obvious watching the Australian team day in, day out, but I can tell you that in that dressing room now, especially in the white ball dressing room, there are a number of people uh, who don't subscribe to that old-fashioned, bullying Australian attitude towards success. They, they've delinked the two things. I think it's going to be fascinating to see in 10 or 15 years' time, perhaps, what the Australian team looks like. I suspect it'll actually look a lot more like the New Zealand team in terms of their disposition. I think that uh, the, the, the old-school way of doing it in Australia, I don't think will be uh, how it ends up. I don't think that'll be the prevailing attitude uh, in the generations to come. I had a really interesting conversation with, uh, with Tim Payne when he became captain. And his perspective, and Pat Cummins said something similar, was that there was so much energy exerted on sledging that... That to his way of thinking, it did detract from their primary task. It was taxing mentally, emotionally, uh, always at uh, opposing teams, and he and he felt like that that could be a way of conserving energy, you know, in a positive way. And that's how I kind of see it already with New Zealand. They've already made that leap of logic some time ago. Uh, so, yeah, it is interesting to to see how there's this intersection between success on the field and, and how people think about the game off the field. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a journey that New Zealand have gone on exclusively. I think there are a number of Australian players, and I'm thinking guys stand out to me like, like Glenn Maxwell, Ashton Agar, Mitchell Marsh, um, Patrick Cummins, who have a far broader perspective on life uh, and on the way they see the game than what might be the cliche of the, the battle-hardened Aussie cricketer. Oh, is that drag down? Too easy. One bounce into the boundary for four. It's not happening today. He showed he's been so good for New Zealand in this tournament. Just struggling today. Oh, dear. <sighs> Hello. Oh, dear. Look, it's not been good, has it? You're Mr. Optimistic. Yeah, I know. But then I watched that over from each Sodi. And I just thought, there's no way. You, you just can't. They're, they're just giving them gimmies every single over. Just one or two gimmies, which they can easily put away to the boundary. Uh, and, and that's kind of enough at the moment. Like, we never got those. And we kind of battled our way through to 170. And we just given them gimmies every over. So, look, I, I don't think it's going to end well. It's quite a cruel game. Go on. Oh, God. Oh, it's quite a cruel game, cricket, isn't it? It really is. It's it's a beautiful game and a horrible game all at the same time. It's the hope that kills you. Yeah, it's always the hope that kills you. Are you prepared to take responsibility for this defeat through your unreasonably optimistic predictions at the beginning of the of match? Of course. You know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Of course. <laughs> Good man. I like, I like a man who takes responsibility for his actions. The, the beautiful thing is, is, you know, now we're going to go to India and we're going to win three T20s and we're going to win both tests yes. and all is going to be fine <laughs> in the world again. <laughs> this is another testament to Aaron Finch and Justin Langer and what they've been able to do to work through what they've had. 
Maxwell looks to finish it, and he might have done it as well. Five times 50 over men's World Cup champions, a team that can never, ever be written off. And they've finally got their hands on a men's T20 World Cup trophy, and it is richly deserved. Improved with every game have Australia. They are now a champion team. Yep. Yeah. I can't believe I have to see Glenn Maxwell's top knot as he's celebrating the ultimate integrity. I still love the black caps. Yes, as do I. They're wonderful I. people. They are they are outstanding and we are still cricketers. Champions, one form that truly matters. It's true. The test arena. It's so. true. And they can't take that away from us. I mean, that Kane Williamson knock brought me brought me the sort of joy that is mildly pathetic for a grown man to be to be taking from a game, but 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 still, it made me feel. And uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I think this is still a great team, great people, and they can do great things. Just not today. You're always taking a risk when you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch a cricket game, Sam. Yeah. yeah. Do you regret it, or or is no, this one of those I things? Yeah. I think that you just, you just have to ride it out. You ride the highs and the lows, and, you know, you enjoy... It's about the journey. It's about the journey. It's about the journey. Not the destination. Not, not the destination. <laughs> Never lose hope. Uh, All right, go get some sleep. Yeah, thanks, thanks mate. Thank you for speaking to me. It's been fun. Thank you, Liam. Goodbye. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Denise Garland, Ollie Ritchie, Christy Havel, Sam Sushdeva, Alex Bray and Adam Collins. Matewa. Hey, Emil. Lydia Kai is really knocking it out no, of the park at the moment. No, we're not jinxing someone else.